Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered all throughout July with all the odds, props, promos, and parlays for baseball, WNBA, MMA, boxing, and more. Use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. That's the whole purpose of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever it is that you may be choosing. And we appreciate that you have decided to stop into today's show, however and whenever it is that you may be listening. It is a fan flipping tabulous. Monday, July 3rd, the first podcast of year five in the Take It Easy podcast. I can't believe I'm saying that. Year five of the podcast. We appreciate you so much for your continued support of this fine program and all of your five-star reviews, your downloads, your comments, your likes, all of that good stuff is greatly, greatly appreciated as always. You know what we're going to talk about today. NBA free agency got started on Friday. They had a wild and wacky three days. A lot has changed in the NBA landscape and maybe even less than we were anticipating. All of that will be the topic of discussion for today. And we got to establish some terms here because there's a lot that went down in the NBA. A lot of it is going to make an impact on next season in the margins, but the big picture trades, Damian Lillard, James Harden to a lesser degree, those players switching teams as future Hall of Famers will have a much broader impact across the league and they will be topics of conversation for the coming weeks because I presume that there won't be a Damian Lillard trade done by the end of the week. I could be incorrect. We're recording this Sunday afternoon, West Coast time. So if Damian Lillard has been traded by the time you're listening to this, I don't think Damian Lillard will be traded within the next seven days. I suspect that it won't be much farther after that because Portland is going to be accommodating and everyone knows Damian Lillard is available. Everyone's putting their best offers on the table for Damian Lillard. The Miami Heat trade, which is the one place Damian Lillard wants to go to, That trade is pretty straightforward because it's going to be Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Jaime Jaquez, and future draft picks. 
seems to be pretty straightforward that that's the trade that's going to happen. Maybe it'll take a minute to find a perfect package for Portland, but for the most part, you're going to suspect Damian Lillard gets to go to the place he wants to go. And so as ground rules for today's podcast, we are going to put the Damian Lillard conversation to the side. We're going to put the James Harden conversation to the side, and we're going to talk about all the other big-time moves, re-signs, teams losing players that will make an impact. We're going to talk about everything else going around across NBA free agency today on the show. And look, we're getting to this topic on Monday. Everyone has had thoughts about, was the Jeremy Grant contract bad for Portland? Yes, it was. Was the Austin Reeves contract good for the Lakers? Yes, it was. These are obviously the big stories around the NBA. And so today, I want to discuss some more unique talking points around NBA free agency that will hopefully not just be the A-plus grade, B-minus grade, C-minus grade. Hopefully, the conversation today will stem beyond that. And there's three distinct categories of free agent news and notes that I want to talk about today. It's going to involve around like five or six teams, but there's three distinct categories that I want to talk about today. I want to talk about players signing extensions and re-signing with teams they were previously on because in some circumstances, those are the less sexy free agent moves, but there is still a lot of interesting conversation points around some of the re-signs. They get less uh, attention There are the teams who are losing specific players. There's two stories there that I think are really, really interesting beyond the James Harden aspect of it because the James Harden side of things is really, really interesting and players leaving other places has two interesting talking points. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the players who are joining new teams, your Fred Van Fleets, your Seth Currys, your Bruce Browns the interesting stories that everyone talks about around free agency. And so to start off the show, I want to talk about players re-signing with other teams. And the first point I want to bring up is that there were two contract extensions, one on Saturday, one on Sunday, that are really interesting because of the names associated with them. And it is a five-year uh, up to $260 million max extension, because according to the CBA, when you sign that first max extension, your dollar values go up or down based on how often you make all NBA and get uh, nominated for awards and stuff. So a five-year contract worth potentially $260 million for Tyrese Halliburton with the Indiana Pacers. And then on Sunday, a five-year contract 217 million dollar max extension for Domantas Sabonis with the Sacramento Kings light the beam baby Sabonis got a 200 million dollar extension Halliburton got a 200 million dollar extension and of course those two players were traded for each other about 16 months ago and I don't think there is a trade quite as unique in modern NBA history as the trade that the Sacramento Kings and the Indiana Pacers made back in February of 2022 because Domantas Sabonis and Tyrese Halliburton are both 
200 million dollar players they have both played to the level of 200 million dollar players Halliburton made his first all-star game in year three this year Sabonis made his third all-star game of his career his first with the Sacramento Kings this year Sabonis made all NBA Halliburton didn't make all NBA but both of them were top 20 players in efficiency rating and while there were obviously other players that were traded in the Sacramento Indiana trade between Halliburton and DeMontis Sabonis Buddy Heald went to the Indiana Pacers. Jeremy Lamb went to the Sacramento Kings. While there were other players involved in the trade, they're just dudes and guys who can you can pick up in other places. And Buddy Heald's the only player that I have to make a stretch to say that he's just a dude because Buddy Heald was a 20-point-per-game scorer to start the season for Indiana. Granted, a bad Indiana team, but was still a 20-point-per-game scorer. And while 20 points a game happens for two or three players on every team, even the San Antonio Spurs had two 20-point-per-game scorers this last season, Buddy Heald is one of the 75 to 100 best players in the NBA. And I don't want to understate that the Sacramento Kings traded Buddy Heald in that deal. Now, granted, the Sacramento Kings got his replacement like that when they gave up a protected first-round pick for Kevin Herter, and Kevin Herter and Buddy Heald are also both about the same skill of player. However, the trade was basically a one-for-one swap. The Kings were giving up six years guaranteed of Tyrese Halliburton in exchange for two years guaranteed of DeMontis Sabonis. And now that Sabonis has signed his long-term extension, the Sacramento Kings gave up six years of an two-time All-Star who gets to Sacramento and makes his first All-NBA team. Sacramento traded an All-NBA player for a future All-NBA player. And there's just never that trade in the NBA. Even when Paul George was traded from Indiana to Oklahoma City and they got back Sabonis and... Victor Oladipo in that trade. That was not a trade like what we're seeing with Sabonis and Halliburton. Paul George signed his giant extension with the the Thunder and then got traded to the Clippers. We know that that's part of the story for those two. But for the Indiana side of things, Oladipo was their best player during that playoff run where they went to seven games against LeBron James. And Sabonis was kind of a third option on that team. And then Oladipo gets hurt and Sabonis emerges as the number one. And the Pacers never won a playoff series with those two, but they still had immeasurable success with those two players. And what is so unique about this trade in hindsight is that both teams swapped $200 million players. They swapped two of the 25 best players in the sport And both teams feel really, really good about how the trade turned out. And it sucks for Sacramento Kings fans because I hear them all the time talk about how they love Tyrese Halliburton, but they and Tyrese loved being in Sacramento and he was hurt when they traded him to the Pacers. It seems like it worked out really well for both sides. And that's kind of crazy because I can't think of a modern trade that quite worked out that way. There are fair trades that happen all the time in the NBA. There's win-win deals that happen all the time. There's rarely ever a win-win deal where both teams were trading away the best player on their team. Because usually the best player on your team is someone where you're able to 
nurture their abilities, build a team around their skill set, and and build a roster tailored to their skill set the way Denver did with Jokic, the way that Milwaukee did with Giannis. Usually when you have a top 20 player in the NBA or a player who has the prospects of being a top 20 player in the NBA, like everyone clearly saw with Tyrese Halliburton, usually you build around that guy, you construct a roster to their skill set. Rarely do you say, we can do better. Or we can do different, like the Sacramento Kings said, because they had Fox and Halliburton playing together, and it was a two-guard combo, and it wasn't working out great. And the Sacramento Kings made the flip of trading Halliburton for an all-star, who gets to Sacramento, they build around his skill set and build an offense to his skill set, and they have the greatest offensive rating in the history of the NBA, and... He makes his he makes the leap from all star and fringe all star and tier four star in the NBA makes the leap from t- from fringe all star to all NBA player. Usually, when you have that kind of talent, you build around it. And Indiana made the call. Our timeline works better with Tyrese. We're gonna get rid of Sabonis and acquire Halliburton. And Sacramento made the call. We want, if we can't trade Fox for Sabonis, we will trade Halliburton for Sabonis. And we will build with Fox and Sabonis as our one and two. Even if Sabonis is only guaranteed two years under contract. And it turned out great for both sides. And it was such a perfect parallel that within 12 hours of each other, Tyrese Halliburton and DeMontis Sabonis both signed 200 plus million dollar contract extensions. I thought both of those were incredibly fitting because their stories are so intertwined. That trade is the most unique that I have seen in NBA history where both teams gave up their top 20 player in the sport and both teams feel better off for doing it in the short term. Didn't even have to wait two years for the rebuild to start. And granted, Indiana's been in the lottery the last two years, but they didn't even have to wait because they know Halliburton's their best player. They know he can be the best player on a team that makes the playoffs in the East. He's already an NBA all-star, even though the Pacers haven't made the playoffs with him. Like they know, they know that that's their dude. Halliburton is their LaMelo ball. And granted LaMelo ball also got the five year up to $260 million contract extension that comes after your third season. As soon as he was eligible for it and LaMelo and Tyrese Both teams recognize we got something special with these two. They are all-stars at 23 years old, and Sacramento is walking away saying, yep, we feel better trading Tyrese because we have DeMontis Sabonis in his prime with De'Aaron Fox. That's such an interesting trade to look back on in hindsight because there is no trade like it. Rare do you have one franchise that says our top 20 or top 25 player is someone worth trading Rare do you have two that agree on a timeline and agree on a package to trade their top 20 players and walk away with both teams feeling great about how they did in that trade. It's such a unique deal, and it's so fitting that both of those players signed their contract extensions within 12 hours of each other for $200 million. A couple other re-sign stories that I think are interesting. We mentioned LaMelo a second ago. Desmond Bain got his $40 million per year, his $200 million extension after the third season from the Memphis Grizzlies. Kind of crazy in hindsight that Desmond Bain, the 30th pick in the draft, was the third best player 
in that 2020 draft class, the draft class that had, uh, well, I guess Anthony Edwards is in that class. So I guess the fourth best player between LaMelo, Tyrese, Anthony Edwards, and now Desmond Bain is the third best player on a Grizzlies team competing for the top of the Western Conference and trying to get over the hump. Desmond Bain got his money, and we talked about this when we talked about the Grizzlies' win-now window opening. We talked about it with the Porzingis trade. We talked about it when the Grizzlies got eliminated from the playoffs. You start by spending all your money, then you spend your draft picks, then you make one last all-in move, and the Grizzlies are opening a four- or five-year win-now window. Draymond Green was spot-on when he said, the win-now window starts when you leave, when he was talking to Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks left, and now the win-now window begins for Memphis because they have all of their money being spent on three players. Now, granted, the Jaron Jackson Jr. contract is really good, but they've got most of their salary cap going to John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Desmond Bain. They've traded for Marcus Smart, and the Memphis Grizzlies are beginning their all-in window by spending all their money. And then when the right trade presents itself, they will cash in on their draft picks for a third all-star to pair with John Morant and Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. And that fits the timeline. They will they will cash in on a win-now trade like the Bucks did for Drew Holiday, like the Rockets did for Chris Paul. They will get the win-now trade that will come available and they will make the move once that opportunity presents itself. This is following the timeline perfectly for Memphis. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks resigned Middleton and Lopez. Their win now window is spent, and they didn't really have much of a choice but to bring back Middleton and Lopez on that deal. And then Kyle Kuzma went back to Washington after it seemed like he totally hated being in Washington, but then Washington was the only team offering him $100 million, and uh, Kuzma changed his tone because he wasn't the biggest fan of Washington, but he was cool with Washington enough to not sacrifice money to go somewhere else. And Kuzma got the most money from the Wizards and got the $100 million contract. And uh, maybe he'll get traded in a year. Maybe he'll get traded in two years. But uh, Kuzma, who looked like he was on his way out of Washington, is going to get his $100 million to stay in Washington after it seemed completely unlikely that he was going to be returning to Washington. It's the most wonderful day of the year. There'll be ping pong balls falling, the lottery's calling to fill us with cheer. It's the most wonderful day of the year. It's the half happiest day of them all. Spurs and Pistons and Blazers, Jazz Wizards and Pacers hope to hear names called. It's the half happiest day of the year. Teams have lied about tanking, except Houston's drunk ravings. Fertita says pray for Wemby. Mavericks tanking with Luca, they're smoking that hookah. They need a pick in the top ten. It's the most wonderful day of the year. 
If the numbers are matching, your team will be drafting a star for seven years on the most wonderful day of the year. Go Rockets. Hey, absolutely. Thanks so much. for Victor. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about a couple of these players leaving teams that are interesting stories. The first one that I think is super duper interesting is the Max Struess and Gabe Vincent restricted free agencies. Miami basically made the call, we don't need Max Struess and we don't need Gabe Vincent, where two years ago they said, we can't let Duncan Robinson walk out the door when all three players have followed very similar pathways. I know Duncan Robinson was on the team that went to the NBA finals in 2020. And maybe that influences Miami's decision to keep Duncan Robinson at $64 million a year, which by the way is the exact contract that Max Struess just signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Maybe that informed their decision to re-sign Duncan Robinson. Uh, Duncan Robinson might've been 72 million, but besides the point, Duncan Robinson was re-signed to Miami, and after they went to the championship in 2020 and lost to the Lakers, Struess was picked up because the Celtics waived him during the offseason of 2020. Gabe Vincent was picked up because the Stockton Kings waived him and Sacramento claimed him. And then Caleb Martin was released by the Hornets a year later, picked up by Miami, and those three players come to be the embodiment of the new era of we will find value players who will keep Jimmy Butler young and will help support Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero, who are the lottery picks who have developed into solid NBA players. And in Bam Adebayo's case, an all-defensive player. And when it was Duncan Robinson who was that player who was going to support Jimmy Butler, I remember we joked for many times about the Duncan Robinson game during the playoff for Miami. When it was Duncan Robinson, Miami said, we can't afford to let him leave. And then they came back in 2022. They were the number one seed, but Duncan Robinson had almost fallen out of the rotation because of the improvements of guys like Struess and Gabe Vincent. And signing Kyle Lowry bumped Robinson's minutes because he was a high-priced free agent who was going to start while Struess was filling in at the two instead of Robinson. And Robinson came off the bench. And... They made the call this time around. We don't need to have Robinson and Struess both making $16 million a year. They could jettison Robinson. They could have traded Duncan Robinson to Cleveland and prioritized Max Struess, but they were okay saying, we'll let Max Struess walk out the door. We'll let Gabe Vincent walk out the door, despite the fact Gabe Vincent was their third best player during the conference finals against the Boston Celtics. We'll let Gabe Vincent walk out the door despite the fact we don't really have an in-house replacement. The best we can do is bring in Josh Richardson for $5 million a year instead of Gabe Vincent for $11 million a year, and that's where we're going to find value. And obviously Miami's in the process of trading for Damian Lillard, and they needed to prioritize flexibility for a Damian Lillard trade. And Duncan Robinson will be a part of that Damian Lillard trade if and when it comes into fruition. So they might be walking out of this saying... We don't need Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, or Max Struess, despite the fact that they were foundational pieces of what we've been doing the last two seasons. 
And despite the fact that two years ago when he hit free agency, they said, we can't let Duncan Robinson walk for nothing. And even though it looked like after last season when they came within one game of making it to the, or sorry, two years ago in 2022, when they came within one game of making it to the NBA Finals, it seemed like they were going to jettison Duncan Robinson off the roster. I joked that the Sacramento Kings were going to trade for a a white shooting guard and it was going to probably be Duncan Robinson. And then it ended up being Kevin Herter. And I was like, damn it, so close. Right idea, wrong player. But I thought for sure they were going to jettison Duncan Robinson. They were going to give Max Struess and Gabe Vincent more minutes. They were going to make a move for a Josh Richardson a year early. And they made the call now to move on from Struess and move on from Gabe Vincent while keeping Duncan Robinson in the fold. They didn't attach a draft pick to trade Duncan Robinson. They instead absorbed a draft pick. They got a second-round pick from the uh, Cavaliers to acquire Max Struess. And then they used that second-round pick to jettison Victor Oladipo's contract. But besides the point, it was a good move for the Miami Heat to let Max Struess walk and let Gabe Vincent walk rather than attach draft picks to move Victor Oladipo and Duncan Robinson. And Miami made the call that we can live without Struess and Vincent when two years ago they said we need to bring back Duncan Robinson. And maybe it feels like doubling down on a mistake or maybe it is we have this is the situation we've walked ourselves into Josh Richardson can replace the production of Gabe Vincent coming off the bench, potentially filling in as a starter. And if we get Damian Lillard at the end of all of this, it will make all of our lives easier because we can, we can, we can find new Duncan Robinsons. We can find new Max Struces. We can find Gabe Vincent's. We have a better chance of finding those guys than we do of finding a Damian Lillard. And so prioritizing the flexibility to acquire Damian Lillard might be at the heart of why they made the call to let Max Struess walk despite the fact he was a restricted free agent and to let Gabe Vincent walk to the Lakers despite the fact Gabe Vincent was also a restricted free agent and signed for less than what I thought Gabe Vincent was going to sign for. The fact Gabe Vincent only got $33 million over three years was a tad bit surprising to me. I thought he was going to be able to get more than a mid-level exception in free agency, but That's the contract that Vincent gets, and Miami decided they didn't want to match on that. So Vincent gets to go to the Lakers, Struess gets to to be loose with the Cavaliers, and Miami makes the call that they, at the end of all of that, at the end of the two years between Robinson being overpaid and the development of Struess and the development of Vincent and the crazy finals run this last year and two years ago Struess's foot on the line being the difference between going back to the NBA Finals and losing to the Celtics... At the end of all of that, the end of a wild three years going from the finals in the bubble to the championship in 2023 with developmental projects like Struess and Martin and Vincent and paying to keep Duncan Robinson at a higher value than what Duncan Robinson is worth. At the end of all of that, Duncan Robinson is the last one standing on the roster for now because he'll be part of the Dame Lillard trade if the Dame Lillard trade comes through. But at the end of all of it, Duncan Robinson is the one who's still on the roster in Miami. The second player leaving that I thought is interesting is uh, Fred Van Fleet and the Toronto Raptors. And I kind of just want to combine the conversation on this one because this is the first top story of player leaving 
and top story on player joining a new team. Because Fred Van Fleet got three years and $128 million to go play for the Houston Rockets in his 30s as an undersized guard, getting paid about 50% more than what Jalen Brunson is going to make with the Cleveland, with the, uh, what Jalen Brunson's going to make with the New York Knicks. And he signed as a free agent last year as the biggest name free agent to switch teams. Fred Van Fleet going to Houston is the only all star to change teams in free agency, other than like, Former All-Stars who are now old as shit, like, uh, well, no, Chris Middleton re-signed too. No, the only All-Star, I think, to switch teams, oh, poor Zingas, I guess, but the only All-Star to switch teams in free agency was Fred Van Fleet. And the Houston Rockets are going to pay $64 million per year for Fred Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks. Good luck with that, guys. Tillman Fertitta couldn't get James Harden, so he settled on Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks. Good luck with that, Houston, but I understand why you did it. I understand why you paid a premium for Fred Van Fleet, because otherwise the money was just going to be burning a hole in your pocket, and the Houston Rockets have decided they would like to compete this year, even if they might not be good enough to compete in the Western Conference. And... What I thought was super interesting was the Toronto side of things. Toronto lost Van Fleet, wouldn't bid high enough to keep Van Fleet, and then immediately pivoted to signing Dennis Schroeder for $13 million a year. They are probably not going to get the same production out of Dennis Schroeder that they got out of Fred Van Fleet. And they still have OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, and Jakob Pertl as their three best players. None of them are on rookie contracts. None of them are really on reasonably priced contracts. Ananobi is only making $18 million a year, so I guess he's getting good value there, but Ananobi is a free agent after two years. And Toronto is going to have to pay $30-plus million a year to re-sign him sometime in the next 12 months. Siakam's on a max contract. Pirtle's making $20 million a year. Those are Toronto's three best players. I'm not quite ready to live in a world where OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Jakob Pirtle will be good enough to get Toronto back to the playoffs. Or if they make the playoffs beyond like the eighth seed. And maybe all roads eventually end... All roads eventually end with a rebuild. Maybe that's the case for Toronto. It's that maybe losing Van Fleet jumpstarts the rebuild. The same way that losing DeMar DeRozan jumpstarted the San Antonio Spurs rebuild. The same way that firing Quinn Snyder jumpstarted the Utah Jazz rebuild. The same way that Paul George wanting out jumpstarted the Oklahoma City Thunder rebuild. Maybe all roads lead to a rebuild at the end of the day, and maybe Toronto is delaying the inevitable because I don't see a path where they can acquire a player better than Pascal Siakam in the near future. 
I don't see the path. They don't have a plethora of draft picks. The young players they've been drafting over the last few years haven't turned into much. Granted, they flipped Norman Powell for Gary Trent Jr., and they're keeping Gary Trent Jr. around on a multi-year extension. But Gary Trent Jr. is kind of just a dude. Malachi Flynn, who was their first-round pick from years ago, is just a dude. Toronto really hasn't added any value, and they've been trading first-round picks to kind of make up for it. And so I don't know where the road leads for Toronto other than they're delaying the inevitable teardown because they've been competing for the last two years without Kyle Lowry saying we can replace Lowry's value with Van Fleet. And by the way, relatively accomplishing that goal because Van Fleet made an all-star team. He was a 20-point-a-game guy worth $40 million a year to the Rockets, and I'm pretty sure they would have paid in the $30 million range for Van Fleet, maybe if it was only for two years. But the Toronto is kind of going along with the we-can-replace-value in-house because it worked when they traded for Kawhi Leonard. It worked with we-can-lose Jakob Pertl, and we can lose a future first-round pick, and we can lose... Uh, there's another player. Oh, uh, Terrence Davis. We can lose Terrence Davis, and we can lose Jonas Valanciunas because we can replace their value in-house. And it's been moderately successful, but they've just been getting slightly worse every single season. In 2020, after they won the championship, they came within one game of making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Then there was the last year of Lowry where they were in Tampa, which was kind of just a lost season for Toronto. And then two years ago, they got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. And then this year, they were the 10th seed in the Western in the Eastern Conference and missed the playoffs. And, it, and they've been able to replace value. It's just been a slow, precipitous decline over four years. It was, we won the championship we lost Kawhi and Danny Green. We can replace their value in-house. And we came within one game of making the conference finals. Second round exit. Then we lose Kyle Lowry. We can replace his value in-house with Van Fleet. And then they lose in the first round of the playoffs to Philadelphia. We're going to lose Van Fleet. We can replace his value in-house with... Gary Trent Jr. and Malachi Flynn, and here's a first-round pick for Jakob Pertl. And they missed the playoffs, and I suspect they're probably going to miss the playoffs next season. And so maybe all roads do lead to a rebuild for Toronto. Maybe they won't be able to right this ship. Maybe trading Pascal Siakam and trading OG Ananobi is the next step for their process. But I don't know if they're ready to go through the full rebuild yet when they still believe in the value of their development system and they still believe in the value of their ability to draft, their ability to draft and develop and their ability to promote within house. I just don't think that Toronto is going to be able to replenish all the value that they've now lost in free agency. They lost Kawhi for nothing in free agency. They lost Kyle Lowry for basically nothing. They got precious Achua in exchange for Kyle Lowry. And now they've lost Fred Van Fleet for nothing in free agency. 
And I don't think they're going to be able to replicate that value. I don't think they're going to be able to make up for it with Dennis Schroeder's and Malachi Flynn's and Gary Trent Jr.'s and Jakob Pertl's. I don't think they're going to be able to build that thing back up. And so maybe all roads do end up leading to a rebuild for Toronto. And maybe they are delaying the inevitable on that process. The last move that I had in terms of uh, players going to new teams, I mentioned Seth Curry going to Dallas. I thought that was a pretty good deal. Lakers and Suns rebuilt those benches pretty quickly. I mean, Phoenix has a bench now with Yute Watanabe, Chemezi Metu on a one-year contract. They brought back Damon Lee. They brought back... Um, I'm trying to remember who else. Oh, they brought back a Kogi. They signed Keita Bates-Diop to fill their bench. Like, everyone was worried about how is Phoenix going to have depth around their five good players. I mean, they just filled out a pretty good-looking bench with Metu, and they lost uh, big Jacques Landale to the uh, to the Houston Rockets, but you've got the Houston... Uh, you've got Keita Bates-Diop, You've got Chemezi Metu, you've got Damon Lee, you've got Josh Okogie coming back. Someone on that team is going to develop into a solid player. I don't know which one it's going to be, but one of those guys is going to be a rotation player in the playoffs and probably giving them better value than they were anticipating. Also, the Laker bench, a lot of people have talked about this already. Lakers brought in Cam Reddish, they brought back Rui Hachimura. It's basically the same team as last year at Gabe Vincent and add Jalen hood Shapino, who everyone is really high on coming out of the draft. It's basically the same team as last year, but add the sixth man value of Gabe Vincent. And that Laker team is going to be one of the four best in the West. I suspect that's going to be the case. Memphis trade Marcus Smot and bringing back everyone else. I think they're going to be in that group for the top four in the West. If you're asking for like tiers in the West right now, it's like, okay, so Denver's number one, Phoenix is number two, then there's kind of a gluttony of three through six between the Clippers, the Lakers, Memphis, and Sacramento, and then you've got the teams that are all together in the West, and the West is going to be chaotic and close again, but you've got Minnesota, who hasn't added anyone, but they're still really good. You've got New Orleans, who's hoping for Zion coming back. You've got the Warriors, who, uh, you know, you've got Dallas, and right there I've already named 10. You've got Oklahoma City. You've got Utah. And the Western Conference is kind of just a gluttonous mass of teams between 3 and 10. And a lot of them probably wish they could go to the Eastern Conference, because right now I'm seeing, like, Three or four good teams in the Eastern Conference. Then you've got the Hawks, who could be better. You've got the Knicks, who are just recreating the Villanova Wildcats of 2018 with all the homies getting back together. They paid... The fact Dante DiVincenzo got more than Gabe Vincent was shocking to me in free agency. But the Knicks are getting the squad back together with Brunson, Josh Hart... DiVincenzo, they were all teammates together during the Villanova championship run. They all wanted to play together. They got the band together for one season at least because Josh Hart opted into his contract. They've got the whole band back together with DiVincenzo and Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson all together, and they're going to build around R.J. Barrett, and maybe Julius Randle will get traded eventually, but... They got the squad back together in New York, getting ready to get bounced in the first round. 
And uh, some of those teams in the West, like Sacramento, probably wish that they could jump over to the East and play the Toronto Raptors four or five times during the season. That's our NBA free agency breakdown. We did it. We did a non-lazy player-grade free agency breakdown. We got to talk about all the biggest stories we wanted to talk about. Yeah, we absolutely nailed it here today, which means I can say this. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up coming at you on Sundays. Make sure to leave a five-star review, a download. Any and all support is greatly, greatly appreciated, and we appreciate that you have decided to stop in and support us here on this fine podcast programming and supporting our dreams is always greatly appreciated you guys always come through for us time and time again we're going to have more nba breakdown as the week goes along we're also going to talk about the wnba on wednesday so you're going to want to stay tuned for that we've got episodes backlogged years months weeks however far back you want to go we've got some long-form journalistic pieces we've got all sorts of content that you just might enjoy on this show And until we have another new episode coming out, enjoy those old archive shows. Most of them age incredibly well, so you might enjoy listening to them. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. And in the meantime, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.